Get down off that sycamore branch, you songbird burners. Welcome to the Blind Buy Podcast. What is the crack? Welcome this week to my new listeners. I'm sure I've got a ton of new listeners from last week's podcast where I had a fantastic chat with Graham Norton, the TV presenter. Thank you for all the lovely feedback for that. Um, It was very enjoyable to do. Graham is a lovely chap. And we got the audio fidelity right. And we also managed to achieve the podcast hug. I noticed it myself. I listened back to last week's podcast myself on a run. And I literally, I forgot. I forgot I was running. And found myself immersed in a conversation with me and Graham Norton. As if I wasn't myself. And I was watching from the wall. So I managed to give myself the podcast hug while listening back. So I was very pleased with that. If you're a an, an brand new listener, go back to some earlier podcasts. Explore the back catalogue. There's lots and lots of stuff. Alright? If you're a regular listener, what's the crack? This week I've got a big steaming hot take. A very large, sweeping hot take. And I'm not going to tell you what the hot take is because I like to execute it via exploratory storytelling. That's what I want to do. So just put faith in the hot take process and join me for a fun escapist podcast hug. I hope all you glorious cunts are wearing your masks when you're outside wearing your your coronavirus face masks. Not just for yourself, but to protect other people. I'm wearing my mask. Well, it's, you know, in Ireland it's mandatory now. If you go into a shop, it's mandatory to wear a mask, which is good. Um, it just makes sense. It's just a set of underpants for your face. If your genitals were in your mouth and your mouth genitals were pissing everywhere, then a set of underpants on your face are going to prevent people getting covered in your piss. So just just that, except with spit and a virus, you know. Um, One thing, though, that I'm really... What I'm fascinated and interested in, right? So... If, if I was to walk into the supermarket now I won't get in there without my mask but if I was now to walk into a public place without my mask now this is a strange conversation for me because I wear a plastic bag on my head I don't wear a plastic bag on my head when I go into shops because when I go into shops I'm not blind by so I wear my coronavirus mask when I'm in shops just like everyone else but what I'm noticing is If I walked into a shop now without my mask, I would feel nude. Now, I wouldn't feel like, oh, fuck, I'm not wearing my mask. This is risky. It's not a fear thing. It's now turning into a, 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 it's registering in my brain as a type, as a modesty. Like, like if, okay, if I walk into a shop with no trousers on, it's going to feel incredibly strange. All right. Incredibly vulnerable and exposed and strange. And I think if I did that without my COVID mask on, I would feel that way. My face feels naked. In a public place, my face... Okay, I can walk around my own house with no pants or underpants on. It feels a bit chilly, but it's just me. So it doesn't feel odd. 
like I'm kind of like I wouldn't mind putting on a pair of pants to be warm but I'll happily walk around with my bollocks out in my own house privately and I don't feel immodest I don't like that word but it's the one that jumps to my head I don't experience social anxiety in the privacy of my own home with my bollocks out okay if I was in Tesco or Aldi or wherever with my bollocks out I would experience extreme social anxiety that would feel odd now I'm feeling that way with my face it's like modesty modesty has ingrained its and, and it's, it's see the thing is it's a sensation so if I walked into a shop I, th- I think it happened by no I was in I was in Dunn stores and my mask was on upside down so I took it off for like a second to change it but in that second when my mask was off my face for the first time in my life experienced the sensation of nudity because the thing with nudity in a public situation it's, it's a tingle there's a nudity the experience of nudity in a public situation has a specific type of tingle to it it's a physical anxiety. You get it if you're in if you're in a changing room or if you find yourself in a situation where you're in the nip in public. If you're in school and one of your friends pulls your pants down. I can't remember specific instances where I would have had that happen, but I definitely I know the feeling. And when I was in the supermarket last week and I had to take my mask off, my my covid mask off for under 10 seconds to reverse it and put it back within those 10 seconds I experienced the tingle of nudity on my face the anxious it's it's an anxiety that is physically localised around the area that feels nude in a public situation if I'd have walked into that shop with no trousers on no underpants on bollocks out it wouldn't even require people to stare at me. I would, I would experience the sensation of nudity. And as I said earlier, the sensation of nudity, it's not about being nude. It's when shame is, is internalised to the surface of your skin. I don't feel this in my house in private. I just feel cold. But in a public situation, it's different. And I felt it on my face where my mask wasn't. And it's only started... I found that fucking fascinating. You know, it's like the anxiety and the the stress hormones of being in a situation where you would elicit public shame. Those stress hormones localised to the area as as a heightened sensation. It felt like the hairs on my face had stood up for a few seconds. And it's only started since since mandatory mask wearing. Because what enforces it? It's not, it's not even about coronavirus. It, it's about pulling your weight. The fact of the matter is, if you're in the supermarket and everybody's wearing a mask, no one wants to wear a mask. I don't want to. Like, by which I mean, I, okay, I want to wear a mask to keep other people and myself safe. But masks aren't comfortable. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not pleasant to wear so nobody wants to go into the shop and it's like excellent can't wait to put my mask on 
we do it out of a sense of duty and responsibility and because it's mandatory. So when everyone else has to wear their mask, if one person doesn't, then that person is going to experience public shame. It's going to become collectivistic because it's going, we're all wearing our fucking masks and we don't like doing it either. Who the fuck are you to think that you don't have to? I know it's unpleasant, but who the fuck are you? And that had localised to my face and I found that fascinating because it, it taught me a lot about concepts of modesty and I mean in Victorian times a lot of this stuff is it's it's mostly gendered and it was mostly historically applied to women like in 1890 a woman would experience the sensation of nudity on her ankles if they were exposed you know um, in countries in countries that are Islamic where face coverings are part of the religion and tradition. Do people there, would they experience, I'd imagine they would, experience the feeling and sensation of nudity if they weren't wearing a hijab or a burqa, you know? Even like in Ireland, at, at the fucking beach. If I'm at the beach in Ireland as a man and I take my top off, I won't experience the sensation of nudity on my torso at the beach but it's acceptable I might experience it in a car park if I'm in a car park if it's hot if it's a hot car park in June or July and I take my top off and I'm bare chested I will experience the semi sensation of nudity it's hot most people will look at me and say I understand it's hot you've got your top off but it's a statement. It's a large statement to make in an urban environment to be bare-chested in a car park, in an open-air, outdoor car park in July. Same car park in October, not a hope. I will experience the sensation of nudity. If I'm bare-chested in an October car park, that's a strong statement. That's, I'm looking for trouble. I'm looking for attention. And it'll be reflected back to me by the by the, the, the gazes that people give me, you know, because it's a strong statement and I will experience the, the public shame as a tingle on my skin. Underground car park, not a hope. There is never an excuse to be bare-chested in an underground car park. So at any time of the year, I will experience the physical sensation of nudity in an underground car park if I'm bare-chested. What the fuck am I talking about? I'm, I'm in danger of going on a, on a tangent now about modesty and propriety and car parks but yeah masks when I take my mask home then I wash it I wash it in soapy water I rinse it thoroughly and I dry it on the radiator and what I find fascinating about that then is you've got this virus that's stopping the whole world and the one thing that you can actually rely upon is just plain old soap because the virus has a fatty outer layer and you put soap on it or a detergent and it will kill it instantly if it's on a surface. Something as simple as soap and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the humility of that because soap is one of those things that 
dates back years and years in human society. It's one of these things we we discovered by accident. It's soap. Like if if soap is basically if you get a fat or an oil and you mix it with a caustic or alkaline substance, it creates soap. Like hu- humans weren't always settled. Humans didn't always live in villages and towns in in a settled community. Long before that, humans were just continually on the move in a hunter-gatherer lifestyle where they chased animals or wild plants to forage, which meant continual moving. Only when humans figured out farming did they like decide, okay, let's stay here and grow some wheat and then we don't have to move or we can raise some cows. But for years and years before that, people just moved around the gaff. And soap, which... It's one of these technological, and it's weird referring to soap as technology, but it is. Soap is technology. Soap, 30, 40,000 years ago, soap was like an iPhone. It was like an airplane, you know? And how humans discovered soap, pure fucking accident. So hunter-gatherer humans, 40,000 years ago, maybe longer. What humans used to do is... If a human was if a human tribe was lucky, they would catch an animal to eat, and that might be the only meat that they eat in like four or five fucking months. So let's just say a group of hunter-gatherer humans, about 30, 40 people, capture a deer. Well, they want to eat the deer and they want to cook it, okay? So they'd find a a cooking spot that was very, very close to a stream or to a river, because they need to drink, they need water to drink and to wash themselves or whatever. So what would happen is that the humans would set up a fire and the fire would be quite close to the river and then on the fire they cook the deer or the wild boar or whatever animal it is. And then the deer would cook but all the fat would drip from the body of the deer into the ashes of the fire into the ashes of the wood. So the next morning, what you'd be left with were all these wood ashes and bits of burnt wood that were soaked in fat. Now, the site of the fire is close to the river. When you get wood ashes and you soak them in water, it produces a substance called lye. And lye is, I think it's sodium hydroxide, what is it? Sodium hydroxide, I think it's called. It's, it's a real alkaline substance so animal fat wood ashes and water basically create made it makes like soap a type of soap and what the humans would find is when they either washed themselves in the part of the river that was near the fire near the wood ashes or washed their clothes their bodies and clothes got cleaner than if it was just water and that's how humans discovered soap and then discovered how to make soap from that. But if you think of that in the context of a hunter-gatherer society, alright, like, these people, life expectancy was 30, you know? People died from bacteria, viruses, pathogens, and soap could kill these things. So now they had this technology, before they even discovered farming, to wash themselves and wash themselves free of bacteria and 
fucking parasites and the whole shebang in a way that water couldn't and it would have even sterilized the water that they were washing themselves with if they were washing themselves with river water that contained bacteria or parasites the wood ash soap would have sterilized to an extent that water what did that do for human health what did that do for the evolution of humans what did that do for the survival of the species that were still around today the technological advancement of soap and the the wonder of soap as could you call it an invention I don't know could you call it you can call it a discovery the wonder of soap as a discovery is that the molecules of soap right it's it's like it's shaped like like a little pin and one one end of the molecule bonds with water and then the other end of the molecule bonds with oils and fats so it means it's really really soluble in, wa- in water and it rips apart fa- uh, fats and oils and this thing this soap would have been a huge discovery and improvement to human health many many years ago and here we are in 2020 with this virus and the right now even though we're waiting for a vaccine the greatest tool we have against it on surfaces is hunter-gatherer technology stone age technology a cotton fucking mask and soap but let's take it back again we'll say to 30 40,000 years ago to this group of humans who one day discover soap and they figure out I think I know what happened here it's the wood ashes it's the water and when I wash myself here I'm suddenly clean and then everyone joins in and then they start doing it more and more and they start collecting the wood ashes this particular group of humans there's probably 150 of them the reason I say 150 is there's a there's a thing known as Dunbar's number it was suggested by an anthropologist called Robin Dunbar and Dunbar's number is is it's the cognitive limit to how many humans one human can 150 you can, you can know and care about 150 people that's the limit the human brain that's how many friends you can actually have to care about it's 150 chimpanzees can have 30 humans can do 150 anything beyond 150 it becomes difficult interestingly it's also the average number of uh, friends that people have on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter so that's also suggested as probably the amount of people the maximum amount of people that would have been in a hunter-gatherer tribe now like I said when humans discovered farming then they started to live in villages and towns with numbers larger than that but with the hunter-gatherer tribe let's say 150 so this 150 tribe of humans who are travelling around the gaff who've now discovered soap and are actively engaging in making soap and have the technology this group has the technology of soap imagine what that would do to this group of 150 people over the course of a year they're not getting sick as much as other humans they're not susceptible to parasites to certain bacteria they might be washing their teeth with the soap they've got healthier teeth 
because less and less people are getting sick, there's more people in the group. Because less people are getting sick, the group as a whole is healthier. They're catching more animals. They're foraging better. They're eating better. Now the group of humans, this tribe that has discovered soap technology, after a year or two, are simply visibly better looking humans. If this group of 150 with soap technology meet a group of humans that doesn't have soap technology, the group that doesn't have soap technology will view the soap humans as just being incredible. Like, who the fuck are these lads? Why are they so clean? Why are they so strong? Why is their hair healthy? Why do they have so many resources? Why are they so big? Why is there so many of them? The survival of this group has now been enhanced by the technology of soap and the group on the outside are going to start getting freaked out. Also, the group of humans who have soap technology are going to be incredibly aware of the benefits that it's bringing them, the fact that it's making them stronger. They're going to be in competition with the weaker groups who don't have soap. They're going to be aware that this soap, man, whatever the fuck it's doing to us, we're catching more food, we're covering more territory. They're going to be in competition. So they will be guarding, they will be closely guarding the secret and technology of their soap and will most likely give it some type of religious significance because they don't understand science. And back then too, like people didn't have written language. So often, if, if when, when an early society discovered what we would now call chemistry, making soap is chemistry, but it has a process. It has a scientific process to do it. But in the absence of fucking written word, what would often happen is soap making probably became a song or a religious ritual. A religious ritual that meant you followed these exact steps so that it could be repeated because they didn't know it was science. But the other group, the group that don't have soap technology and are watching and wondering what the fuck is going on with these more powerful humans they're going to start asking questions and naturally they're going to become paranoid so that the humans that don't have soap technology when they meet the soap humans they're going to become very paranoid they're going to think they have access to magic and they're going to start assuming that they're plotting against them the humans who haven't discovered soap and don't understand what it is will start hiding and watching and observing the humans that have soap technology and they start seeing them all lighting bonfires and then after the bonfire they'll notice that they all go and bathe in the water afterwards and because the soap humans have ascribed a a religious importance to the making of soap you know they've made it a ritual in order to remember how to do it they might be doing strange things they might be doing song and dance they might be appear to be saying prayers to the fucking moon. They might be wearing weird costumes to make this soap. And then the humans with no soap who are watching and they'll view it as a ritual and they'll be at a distance and then they'll wonder what the fuck are they burning in that fire? And what if the group of humans that haven't discovered soap because they don't have soap technology they're more likely to be sick they're not as healthy. There might be a much higher rate of things like infant mortality within their tribe. What if they then start to assume 
that the soap humans are stealing their children and burning them. And the reason that they are so healthy and with lovely teeth and powerful and well-fed is because the soap humans are stealing the children of the non-soap humans and sacrificing them because they've seen this happen. They've seen them burning things and washing in the water. And then they start to develop this theory that this group of soap humans are fucking dangerous. They're dangerous and they want to take over and they want to take control and they have access to some type of hidden power and they don't know what it is. Some type of evil hidden power that's somehow related to the disappearance of children. And and they'll also believe that the humans that have access to, to the soap are somehow immortal beings. They won't be able to understand the cleanliness and the youthfulness and the resources and the strength and the attractiveness of these humans that have soap. They'll assume them to be immortal beings and they're doing something to achieve this immortality. And I'm just making that up. I'm just saying that that's a plausible, that that's a plausible possibility. If 40,000 years ago, one group of humans discovers soap and within a year, the observable difference in their health and the health of their society because of soap, that's going to be noticeable to another group of early humans who don't have soap. And what I'm trying to get at there, I'm trying to tease at the possible evolutionary psychology origins of conspiracy theories. The non the, the humans who haven't discovered soap, who are viewing these other group of humans with soap they can't understand what the soap is because they don't know what the technology is so they're going to start developing suspicious conspiracy theories out of sheer fear for their own survival they're scared of being eradicated by what they view as more powerful people and I'm not pulling this out of my arse I'm basing it on uh, a paper that was published in 2018 the paper is called Conspiracy Theories Evolved Functions and Psychological Mechanisms which proposes a theory about conspiracy theories. It says that we propose that people possess a functionally integrated mental system to detect conspiracies that in all likelihood has been shaped in an ancestral human environment in which hostile coalitions, that is, conspiracies that truly existed, were a frequent cause of misery, death, and reproductive loss. So this paper suggests that in early human society, meeting one group of humans, meeting another group of humans, and having to cooperate and meet, resulted in things like betrayal. It resulted in actual misery, death, and reproductive loss. And these real things, like the way that we're instinctively scared of spiders, and we're instinctively scared of snakes because in the wild our ancestors needed to be scared of these things because they really were a danger that in earliest human societies thousands and thousands of years ago when one group of humans hunter-gatherers meets another that within the bonding that happens one group tries to fuck the other one over and in our minds is this deep, deep distrust and paranoia of another group if we perceive them to be more powerful. 
or if we don't understand their technology. And me suggesting there, you know, taking it back 40,000 years ago, you've one group with soap, really clean, really healthy, vibrant looking, desirable people, living longer, healthy children. And then you have another group who don't have this and they don't understand what's happening. And, and they, you know, they think they're doing rituals and they're stealing our children. That's why our children are dying. They're stealing the children. They're burning them on pyres. And this is where they get this, this youth and this vibrancy from. Like right now, in 2020, one of the most popular and dangerous conspiracy theories online is, there's one called QAnon. And QAnon is like this, it's mainly spread on Facebook. It's this huge, huge conspiracy theory that is, it's mainstream. It's really, really mainstream. It's not fringe. You know, your aunt or your uncle might be believing this shit. It's where the anti-mask stuff comes from. It, it's kind of picked from all different conspiracy theories and united them under one very digestible umbrella. But one, one branch of QAnon, straight up, they, they believe that people in Hollywood... Actors and actresses who are incredibly good looking, healthy looking, people who are maybe in their 50s and 60s but they look like they're in their 40s. There's a legit conspiracy theory right now that these people are making face cream from the ground up foreskins of children. And they're getting child's foreskin face cream and they're rubbing it into their faces and this is giving them eternal youth. Now what if I told you that bit was actually true? This is where it gets messy. Yes, there is very expensive face creams out there that uses stem cell technology and part of the ingredients are, are literally from the foreskins of babies. That, that's, that's a thing. And Oprah was selling it. And if you've listened to a previous podcast that I did, I also uncovered this is where it gets murky. Like some shit is conspiracy, some shit isn't. Oprah does promote a line of face creams that you can directly, and this isn't conspiracy world, this is real. The CIA have a company, I've done podcasts on it, called InQtel, which is where a lot of the black budget goes into. And InQtel fund, they're like a private fund that funds companies. So there are scream, uh, skin creams in existence, for real, that use the foreskins of children for stem cell stuff, I'm assuming they're sourced ethically but then as well there are face product, face cream products out there funded by InQtel the CIA which are essentially a way to harvest the genetic DNA of people it's a way to you buy this face cream and it's called Clearista you can look it up Clearista it's funded by InQtel InQtel are basically the CIA and Clearista is a face cream that's touted by Oprah who's a billionaire and what Clearista will do is that it's a face cream that is kind of made specifically for your skin. But in order for it to be that accurate, it needs your genetic data. And then your genetic data is then given to the CIA as a database. That shit's real. This is why conspiracy theories get murky. Because some shit you go, oh fuck, that's actually pretty freaky and concerning. And it's actually happening. But then you get the other side. So because of the, the, the waters are murky... QAnon believe okay that 
the wealthiest billionaires in the world essentially are, are go- have eternal youth because they're harvesting a chemical called adrenochrome. Now this shit isn't real. Adrenochrome is a real thing. But what I'm about to tell you now, this isn't real. They believe that the wealthiest people in the world are involved in the trafficking of, 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 of children, that they're torturing, sexually torturing young children and traumatizing them and then extracting this adrenochrome from them in these satanic rituals to make themselves immortal. Now that's a conspiracy theory. But is that, that's not the, the plausible historical situation that I laid out 40,000 years ago with one human human group discovering soap and the others not and one group being really healthy and having a lot of resources and then the other group assuming that they're stealing children and all this it's not that far off what's happening right now except you know what what's going on right now why are there massive amounts of people on Facebook who genuinely believe that the wealthiest people in the world are injecting themselves with a chemical that can only be gotten from satanic child sacrifices. I mean, for me, it's 40,000 years ago, you have 150 people on one side with more resources and this new technology, and then you have another group who doesn't have it. Now we're living in 2020. What I'm seeing there is... It's our Stone Age brain reacting to the rise of the 1%. Billionaires. There's more billionaires now than there's ever been. The divide between the super ultra rich and the poor is fucking massive. And yes, Hollywood celebrities look very fucking young and they look fantastic. But it's because they have, they have greater access to resources. They have greater access to nutrition, plastic surgery the latest in fucking skincare technology and also editing. But we have this cons- this batshit conspiracy theory which is rooted in anti-Semitism. It's absolutely... You look at the history of this child sacrifice shit, go back thousands of years, you'll see it. It all, always goes back to Jewish people. The foreskin stuff is this paranoia about... Uh, d- d- you know, within Judaism, when the child is circumcised at birth it's all toxically manipulated by right wing forces who are anti-semitic but ultimately what I'm trying to get at the hot take I'm trying to get the evolutionary origins it's depressing when when like we're seeing a lot of it now with the pandemic when your aunt uncle brother your father your mother presents you with this batshit fucking fear that they have and you're saying ma what are you doing why are you on Facebook who told you this or da who told you this for people who are, are rational and who aren't getting sucked into this it's very painful and hurtful to see someone you love get drawn into anti-mask stuff the belief that the coronavirus is it created in a laboratory that it's all part of this huge global, global plan to enslave us. This belief that wearing masks are about ushering in an era of compliance. It's troubling and worrying and it, it can leave us feeling numb. And what I want to do is I want to try and get some catharsis around it by understanding 
the human origins of why this shit exists and for for me and you to try and as well maintain a degree of criticality because like I just said yes face creams exist that are made from the foreskins of babies it's called stem cell technology you can probably source where the foreskins are coming from I'm guessing they're discarded foreskins from uh, babies that are getting circumcised and it's, it's ethically traced and sourced and yes the CIA are funding a fucking skincare company that Oprah sells which is as far as I can see a data harvesting a genetic data harvesting program and that shit's real and and we have to maintain our criticality to go that there is 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 abuse of of human rights and it's abuse of data and things like that but it's not sacrificing children in in some type of satanic shit I mean, these people, the QAnon also believes that the world is run by a race of lizards. They believe that the most powerful people in the world are, are reptiles, lizards from space, interdimension, interdimensional shape-shifting lizards. The world is run by very powerful fucking alien reptiles who need the blood sacrifice of children and they don't look like reptiles because they can operate within frequencies and ship, shift into the form of humans. And people fucking believe this. Your uncle is talking about it on Facebook now. And he won't bow down to the interdimensional shape-shifting lizards. And this is why he won't wear a face mask in Tesco. This is real. Okay? And you want to take that back... I had Eddie Lenahan, the folklorist on this podcast, about six or seven podcasts back. He was telling me about Irish superstition and traditions. Listen to how the Irish folklore, going back a thousand years, describes the fairies. The fairies in Irish mythology were a strange race that you can't understand. And what do fairies look like? Fairies take the shape of humans or animals and they steal babies. This shit's just getting fucking repeated. We had it in Irish folklore. Changelings. It's all there. It's just now they're interdimensional shape-shifting lizards. It's archetypal. It's an archetype. It's the... It's human psychology going right back to the soap 40,000 years ago. And where it gets difficult for me too then is... You know, if, if, if I'm arguing with someone and they're bringing up conspiracy theories and they're saying the elite of the world are involved in sex cults and they're sacrificing children. How do I then turn around and say that's ridiculous when I know that that Jeffrey Epstein shit is real? Okay, Jeffrey fucking Epstein had a private island where powerful people went and children were abused and that's... We know that happened, alright? The whole world has their eyes on that. So then how do you turn around to the person and say y y what, you're, what you think is complete bullshit? Because you have this other nugget of something that's actually deeply fucking wrong and troubling and worrying. And what I have to do with it for my criticality, I take it back to the soap. I imagine myself on the other side of the river not having soap technology observing the other humans with the soap doing some weird shit 
And I don't think that on Jeffrey Epstein's island there was ritualistic sacrifice where people were shape-shifting into lizards and, and, do, and Satan was appearing. I don't believe that. That's, what, that's, that's the viewpoint when you can't understand what soap is. But I want to understand what the soap is and the soap is power and money. So what on Epstein's island, what you have is incredible amounts of power, money, arrogance. That's what you have. And from that you get abuse. And that's the soap that they have. But I'm, I don't want to get caught up in the smoke and mirrors. I don't think that they're lizards. Even, even fucking making this argument, you know, even making this argument. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, you have to be concerned. Like right now in Ireland, right now in Ireland, in 2014, the skeletons of 800 babies were found thrown into a septic tank in Galway. And this was done by the Catholic Church, by the nuns in the mother and baby homes. Okay? And the Catholic Church had this huge institutional abuse in Ireland. And they, they, they threw 800 little babies in, into a septic tank. And QAnon will look at that because they draw all the Catholic Church into this and say, Oh, Satan worship, Satan worship. And we can't go there. We have to go, no. This horrible thing happened and this is what happened. This is what happens when there's a huge, huge imbalance of power. When there is a huge imbalance of power, you end up with 800 babies in a septic tank and those nuns didn't have to be lizards shifting between dimensions in order for that to happen. What you simply have is a, a, a lot of power that and, and not, no accountability and abuse of power. You don't need the supernatural there. You have the, the very honest and real failure of humanity. You have corruption. The failure of humanity when presented with absolute power and no accountability. Bad shit happens every time. And on that subject as well, an investigation into those uh, those 800 uh, babies that were found, an investigation was, was launched into that, which was called the Mother and Baby Homes Commission of Investigation. Right now, the Irish government are, are basically trying to lock away the findings of that investigation for 30 years. Okay? It's a bit murky. So, that's not right. We deserve to know what happened and we, need, we deserve to know the systems of power and abuses that happened for 800 babies to end up in a septic tank in Galway. Those babies are human beings who have living relatives who need to find out what happened to their relatives or if they're buried in unmarked graves and for it to be locked away the information for 30 years that's fucked up someone's trying to be really sneaky and someone is trying to protect uh, institutions or people who were involved in the abuse of power so look up uh, jfmresearch.com and the article you're looking for is Urgent Mother and Baby Homes Commission Archive Justice for Magdalene Research Go on to that and there's a link to email your TDs and senators to say to them, no, you're not locking away this information for 30 years to protect people. 
Um, if you go to Rubber Bandit's Facebook, my Facebook page, it's the top post. And here I am trying to rally against conspiracy theories while also telling you legitimate shit that is, is in the realm of conspiracy theory. And all I have to say to you is like, I don't believe anyone in the government is a giant shape-shifting lizard. I think it's, it's abuse of power. I'm imagining myself as the hunter-gatherer watching the soap ritual. And I have to say to myself, the devil isn't involved here. It's something simpler than that. And we can only be the change if we're looking for that simplicity. You can't start talking about lizards. You can't start talking about inter- interdimensional shape-shifting lizards. Like, I sound like... I'm trying to make a really measured argument and I sound like a lunatic doing it. That's how fucked up this conspiracy theory shit is. And it, it, it's part of why it's so dangerous. It, it attacks the very nature of rationality and logic. And... To take it back to the riverbed 40,000 years ago... You're watching the soap ritual and it comes down to two very simple things. Do you want the truth or do you want the most interesting story? And the observers who are saying they're doing a satanic ritual, they're stealing our children, they're burning our children and this is giving them eternal youth. That's really, really interesting and really engaging and it's got narrative and it's got everything you want out of a good story. And it has intrigue. That's that's the conspiracy theory. Or do you want to find out? What they're actually doing is the fat from the animal is mixing with the wood ashes. That mixes with the water and it makes them really clean. And because they're clean, they're not getting sick and then they're healthy. That's boring. That's boring. There's no wonder there. Do you know what I mean? But the scientific paper I cited earlier says that because of a, of a history of death and pain and misery that our ancestors going back hundreds of thousands of years because coalitions with other humans often resulted in very bad things happening and evil it became evolutionarily advantageous for human beings to become very paranoid very very paranoid and to search for the supernatural as a way to protect ourselves to not look for the logical and instead to be mad paranoid and come up with these crazy, crazy ideas to benefit the survival of the group that doesn't have the soap. So I've got more to say about this conspiracy theory, theory shit. Um, it's time for a pause. It's time for a pause so you can get an advert because that was a big long rant I went on but I'm, I'm not finished with the hot takes. Um, let's have a little instrumental pause now so that a digital advert is inserted and you're sold some bullshit, all right? Here's the shaker pause. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There you go. You probably heard an advert. This podcast is supported by you, the listener, via the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind boy podcast. This is a 100% independent podcast. I have full editorial control. If someone wants to advertise on this podcast, they must do so on my terms. No one tells me what to speak about, what content I do. No one dictates the tone. This is a free space, essentially. This podcast is also my sole source of income and it's a huge amount of work. So, and there's the backdrop as well. Look, I haven't had a gig in six months. I'm not going to have a gig for fucking ages. I'm in the creative industry. It's been ravaged. Can't do TV, can't do gigs. Even the fucking book sales have been affected. So this is my job. It's my sole source of income. It's a lot of work. I fucking love doing it. I adore making this podcast. So all I'm asking is that if, if you're enjoying it too, and if you like it, just pay me for the work that I'm doing. And all I'm asking for, price of a pint or the price of a cup of coffee once a month. That's it. You get four fucking podcasts a month. Just pay me for that if you can afford it. Okay, please do, because that's, that's how I earn a living. If you can't afford it, you don't have to. Someone else is going to pay for you. It's a model that's based on, on soundness and kindness and it works perfectly. But I seriously appreciate everyone who's a patron of this podcast. You are the reason I'm able to do it and you're the reason I'm able to fucking sleep at night. You know, in this environment of being in the arts and the uncertainty of not knowing where, where gigs are coming from and all of this, this podcast and the fucking Patreon, I go to bed at night, I know where my money is coming from. I'm not worried about my bills. So thank you so much to every one of my fucking patrons. Um, also, catch me a couple of times a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 8.30pm on Twitch, where I do live streams. Um, I have a never-ending never musical. I'm making live music to a video game. Twitch.tv forward slash the blind by podcast. And if you want to go to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. Give me the price of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month, please, if you can. No worries if you can't. Um, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, recommend it to a friend, especially if you're a new listener in fucking England, Canada, Australia, America. If you're living outside of Ireland and you recommend the podcast to a friend and they listen to it, that's a huge benefit to me because there's no advertising for the podcast either, really, so word of mouth is how it spreads but thank you very much lads back to the conspiracy cunts so the paranoia of conspiracy theories it's it's also there is that evolutionary origin but it, it, it's, it's a way too to feel if you're the group of humans 40,000 years ago without soap and you're jealous and envious and fearful and worried about the group that do have soap and you don't under- understand their power, you don't understand what's going on. 
developing this narrative about them stealing your children or worshipping Satan or all this stuff, it's it gives you a sense of power and control over something you really don't understand over chaos alright a new group of fucking incredibly healthy humans show up and you don't know why they have this That's that throws your world into chaos it's threatening and we live in a time of chaos right and there's a fucking pandemic and half the world is on fire and there's a lot of scary things happening alright it's quite chaotic right now. Lots of shit is chaotic. Politically, ecologically, pandemically. It's chaotic. And finding a nice, clear, interesting narrative within the anxiety of, of all of that is going to redress the balance of power, the, the balance of power, that, the imbalance of power that you feel. The QAnon conspiracy is, is the ultimate and, and, and contemporary example of this we're also drifting away from you know it, it, we're post postmodernism now into metamodernism one of the tenets of the modernist age at, was these grand narratives of right or wrong society in the 60s you had the wonderful big right and wrong of fucking cold war the soviets are bad communism is bad capitalism is good America is good and the West is good and the Soviets are bad and you have to view everything through the lens of this great moral battle between East and West and that's terrifying because the world nearly came to fucking nuclear war but at least it's simple and with postmodernism, this this type of shit started to break down and now with the internet it's really broken down to the point that we can't identify an objective truth in the 80s as well under the Reagan era that was a great time for these grand, simple narratives of right or wrong. Under Reagan and Thatcher, obviously you had the, the Cold War was ending, it was on the way out. Communism bad, capitalism good. They needed to start finding new things to create very simple right or wrong narratives that were given from the centre of power all the way down. They started to choose uh, the war on drugs. Drugs are awful. Everything bad is happening because of drugs. And fighting drugs is the good thing. There's a simple narrative. Crime. Crime became a huge thing in the 80s. The mafia were the thing. You had these simple narratives. Even the fucking war on terror. The war on terror post 9-11. But see, here's the difference between the war on crime and the war on drugs and the war on terror. The war on drugs. Drugs are a thing. They're a commodity. They're a product. You stop them being made and imported. Now then you want to get into it. The fucking CIA man. The CIA. We're responsible for half of the drugs. We're going down a rabbit hole. Drugs are objective. Okay. Good and bad. There's a bunch of drugs. Don't take them. They're bad. They'll fuck your shit up. Let's let's fund stopping the production and import of drugs and smugglers and drug dealers. Very simple. Right and wrong. Message coming from the top down. With that simplicity... You have a comfort. Drugs gangs were still scary to people. The thought of drugs were still scary. But you have a comfort in the simplicity of the narrative. The grand narrative of it. With crime, the same thing. Crime is done by criminals. You lock them up in jail. Right? You see that with New York in the 80s. The mafia, Rudy Giuliani, 
trying to clean the fucking place up, three strike laws, all that shit. The war on terror, now you've got a fucking, terror is an idea. Terror is an idea. You can blame Al-Qaeda. Like, the war on terror is when it started getting murky because terror is a war on an idea and that's harder to understand. But let's take it back to the 80s and very simple one, New York. New York is full of muggings and crime and the mafia and crime gangs and drugs and drugs. Simple right and wrong. There's a comfort in that. Then Rudy Giuliani was a good friend of Trump's. They quote unquote cleaned up New York. They infiltrated the mafia. The mafia stopped being a thing at about the 90s. They really took them apart. The, the mafia in, in, in America and New York, the five families, stopped being a thing in the 90s and people stopped fucking kind of thinking about them or worrying about them. Like in, in the 1980s, there was a huge mafia war in New York and a lot of people died and the people of New York were frightened and scared. And then last year, 2019, after years and years and years of the mafia in New York being really, really quiet, the boss, like the mafia in New York is run by the five families, the five mafia families of New York who are kind of together in, in, in a business arrangement. And this arrangement prevents wars and wars rarely happen. The last one was the 80s, as I mentioned. So then in 2019, the boss of the Gambino crime family, which is uh, John Gotti. John Gotti was a huge mobster in New York in the 80s. His crime family, one of the five families of New York, the boss of the Gambino crime family is shot dead in 2019 in Staten Island. And the police in New York start freaking out. We haven't seen a fucking high profile mafia murder in New York since the 80s. And now the head, the one of the, or, or sorry, he was one of the bosses of the Gambino crime family is shot dead in Staten Island. Oh fuck. Because the last time that happened, it started a huge war in the 80s. So they're going, oh fuck. The mafia are back. The head of a family has been shot. Shit's going to kick off. And then they arrest the suspect. And the suspect has nothing to do with the Mafia whatsoever. He's a 24-year-old called Anthony Camello. And this unknown 24-year-old, who's not connected with the Mafia, has no crime connections, shot dead the leader of the Gambino crime family. And then they bring him in for fucking questioning. Now, I don't think the lad's been sentenced yet, but I, I believe... I don't think he's been sentenced yet, but he's the main suspect. And they say to him, why did you shoot the head of the Gambino crime family? Now, they're expecting he's in the mob, he owes a debt. Your man turns around and he says, well, the CIA have infiltrated the mafia. And I'm being spied upon by satellites. And then they said, go on. Well, the mafia have actually been infiltrated by the deep state, who are a, a liberal cabal that are trying to work against President Trump. And the police in New York are scratching their fucking heads. Like, who is this cunt? Who's this young fellow who's after shooting the Gambino crime boss? What's he talking about? The CIA and the deep state and the mafia and Trump? What the fuck is this guy talking about? And then the suspect, Anthony Camello, has his first court hearing. And when he's in court, he holds up his hand and on his hand he's drawn a massive cue. 
And this lad has basically been radicalised by the QAnon conspiracy theory. This fucking Oprah with the face creams and the fucking foreskins of children and the interdimensional shapeshifting lizards. Now you've got a young man, 25, clearly has, has mental illness issues from some of the things I'm, I'm hearing him saying, who believes QAnon, who's been on Facebook non-stop and now he's after killing the fucking head of the Gambino Mafia family because he thinks they've been infiltrated by the CIA and the deep state. So as far as I know, it's an ongoing trial, so I don't want to go any more into, into the details of it. You can read about it yourself. But what interests me about it and why I'm relating it back to grand narratives. Now, this is me going extreme hot take. I don't know much about Italian-Americans. I don't know much about Italian-American culture. What I can tell you about Staten Island, Staten Island is like one of the last parts of the Bronx in Staten Island, one of the last kind of real working class um, Italian-American communities. And what I, the only thing I can relate it to, to bring a bit of myself into it, is I'm guessing the mafia in those communities probably would represent something similar to what maybe the, the IRA and republicanism represents in terms of male masculinity in Ireland. Okay? I'm assuming that in these somewhere like Staten Island or parts of the Bronx where the mafia historically were looked up to in the community by young men as these powerful figures that narrative starts to disappear and then within that chaos you, you lose a sense of meaning similarly what we see there's QAnon adherents in Ireland who believe that the troubles in Ireland, as it's called, the war in the north of Ireland, believed that the IRA were like a deep state plot. Quote, unquote, the Jews. Anytime anyone says that shit, what they're referring, it's, it's a far right shit, it refers to the, the Jewish people. But it's been posited recently in Ireland that the Troubles was like this staged act by globalist powers and had nothing to do with republicanism. It's this staged act and you have this lad now over in Staten Island who shot the head of the Gambino family last year because he believes that the Mafia is infiltrated by the deep state and these powerful forces which all goes to interdimensional shapeshifting lizards which most people believe is just a code word for Jewish people. These are all anti... None of this shit is new. This is all anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. I'm looking for the bar of soap I'm looking for the boring fat of the animal mixing with the wood ashes and the water to create soap. That's what I'm looking for here. And what I see is it's, it's, it's grand narratives disappearing. The simple moral tale disappearing. The simplicity, like I said, Reaganite America, mafia bad, mafia crime is bad, they must be taken down. Good citizens are afraid of the Mafia. Very simple moralistic tale. A binary tale of right and wrong. Which also, within a community like that, it can mean those men are the strong men. You can aspire to be that or you can not aspire to be in the Mafia and you can aspire to be something else. If you're an Italian-American, you can become Rudy Giuliani, who's the mayor of New York at the time. 
simple right and wrong narratives that are disappearing as we enter the meta-modern age with the internet. And that gives you a, a sense of chaos. And from that chaos and lack of understanding, the hot taker in me who's looking for the soap, what was that young man looking for? Certainty. Striving for the certainty of the old narrative of right and wrong, mafia mafia bad, police good, and this new world of all the in-betweens are seeing the mafia lose power. Somehow that's what set him off on this irrational conspiracy vibe where he thinks the mafia are being controlled by lizards. Similarly, if I see this see that stuff being said in Ireland about you know the IRA are infiltrated by the deep state the IRA was a a puppet organisation set up by fucking a Jewish cabal or or international or interdimensional lizards it's the same thing you're losing the grand narrative you're losing meaning so to kind of get to the, the the end of my hot take I want to talk about QAnon, which is the, the umbrella conspiracy theory that's taken over the world right now. I don't want to get into too much detail of it because it's fucking boring. If you, if you have half a fucking... If, I, won't, I won't say a brain, that's not fair. If you have the ability to, to, to think critically... I'm university educated, alright? I've had the benefit of going to university to fucking learning what research is, understanding critical thinking knowing what, what a trustworthy source is and what an untrusty trustworthy source is. When I look at this shit, it, it, it's, it's hilarious. I couldn't believe any of it. It's so fucking ridiculous. There's so many holes. But not everybody has that benefit. Has, 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 not everybody has the privileges that I had. So it's spreading through Facebook. And what makes this conspiracy theory unique is how it exploits the Facebook algorithm to reach so many disparate groups. So, it reaches, you know, the person who's into crystal healing and yoga and into angel readings and all this kind of harmless stuff, usually that tends to be um, a kind of, you tend to associate that with, with, with women, you know. They're, they're more kind of female pursuits, that type of interest. Crystal healing, yoga, um, angel readings, all this stuff. I'm not saying it's only women. I'm just saying it tends to have horoscopes. So this side of, of Facebook, who were into these ultimately harmless things, all of a sudden started getting targeted with anti-vax. Don't vaccinate your child. Vaccination causes autism, all this type of stuff. And they're being targeted by this. And then they get drawn into the QAnon side of things. Then you have the other stuff which is kind of harmless. UFOs, Bigfoot, traditional conspiracy theory stuff. And they're being targeted by QAnon stuff as well. And what it's done, it's united people who are, who are skeptic skeptics about harmless stuff. And drawn them via the algorithm into the same groups into the same echo chambers whereas now the person who's harmlessly interested in horoscopes or yoga 
is now thinking about anti-vax. Now coronavirus is, is planned. It's a pandemic from China. People who are into UFOs all of a sudden now are being sold very anti-Semitic things. And it just goes with this pyramid of essentially QAnon is the global elite are paedophiles who worship Satan and lizards are involved. And this is the the core of it because you're kind of wondering who's doing it and why? Who benefits? Multiple people are driving this. All right. People. Let's let's just say uh, call it Russia, but it's not just Russia anymore. It's it's. Anyone, any nation who who is interested in Western democracies, the EU, fucking America, whoever, anyone foreign interest who wants Western democracies to be weakened is very interested in promoting QAnon because what it does is it creates chaos. It creates chaos and uncertainty and then that destabilizes and weakens democracy and society, right? So those people have an interest in QAnon. Ultimately, who benefits with QAnon? Donald fucking Trump. Alright? Simple as that. Here's the core belief of QAnon and what it is. QAnon believe that Q is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is called Q. And they believe that Clintons and the Democrats are part of this huge international sex trafficking child sacrificing cabal that wants to enslave the earth and enslave the world interdimensional lizards anti-semitism they believe that the refugee crisis is made up by a cabal of of Jewish people and lizards they believe that um, global warming and the climate crisis is manufactured to get us scared they believe that coronavirus is a manufactured virus that it's all designed to control and coerce us into being slaves for these giant lizards um, which is just a little code word for Jewish people even talking about it I sound fucking mad and I'm trying to argue against it it's crazy alright but they believe that Donald Trump is a fella called Q And they believe that what Trump is doing is that Trump is president of the United States. And what Trump is doing is that while he is president, he's finding all the secrets about child sex trafficking, about all the shit that they believe, all these conspiracy theories. They believe that Donald Trump is anonymously leaking them to the fucking internet. And that's what it is. So their ultimate goal of QAnon is to keep Donald Trump in power. And that's explicit. Donald Trump must be kept in power because he is Q and he will leak all the information to us. And you look at any QAnon stuff, it's all Trump, Trump, Trump. And they believe it. You must get Trump in fucking power and he must stay in power. And which to me suggests that there's the same people who were working for Trump who did all that Cambridge Analytica shit they're probably as well heavily invested in pushing this QAnon thing. Because you look at who benefits. Donald Trump benefits from QAnon. Massively. And the, the model that's being used, it, it's clever. It's very fucking clever, but it's dangerous. And I haven't seen it done before. 
what they've done is they've borrowed from Scientology and they've borrowed from box set TV shows. These are the two things which exist in the zeitgeist of culture that have been appropriated into the framework of what QAnon is. Okay? How do I explain this? Scientology, first of all, if you look... Scientology operated by having different levels of secrets about Scientology that get revealed to you as you climb the ranks of Scientology. That's what kept people in Scientology. Climb the ranks, get to the top, and you earn and learn more secrets, right? QAnon does that. What QAnon also does is it's, it's episodic content, like an episode of Game of Thrones. It's, it's cliffhangers. So all the QAnon stuff is basically Trump is leaking us all these things, all these secrets, and they're waiting for the next secret. It's, it's a bit like freemium gaming as well. I'm looking at the things within culture that echo the structure of this and to see why it's working and why it's operating as a type of addiction. Keep Donald Trump must be re-elected. Why? Because if he's not, we won't find out what happens next season. That's what it boils... That's it. It's entertainment. They're after giving us Epstein. They're after giving us this. They're giving us the UFOs. Next step is the lizards. We need the lizards. We need to see a lizard. And if you don't get Donald Trump in power because he is Q then the deep state will win and then we no longer have a Q in power to leak the lizards and that's the framework of how it works it's, it's, it's like freemium gaming it never ends it's the box set it's what happens next season it's the structure of fucking Scientology layered information being revealed to you as you go to the top and, and this is why too, you know, in, in the anti-mask protesters in Ireland, like, which is infiltrated massively by the far right. I mean, that's another, th- that like, what QAnon is doing too is it's, it's taking, like I said, people who are interested in, in harmless shit, like UFOs or crystal healing or fucking angel readings or Bigfoot. And it's putting these people into a culture where essentially you're talking about some pretty fucking hardcore racist anti-Semitic stuff. You know? Um, All under the guise of save the children, save the children. The simple, simple moral message of save the children. They're all paedophiles. Save the children. And if you don't disagree, if you don't agree with this, you must be a paedophile. And that's why when you see anti-mask protesters in Ireland, they're screaming pedo scum off our street. And you're wondering, I thought you didn't want to wear masks. What are you talking about paedophiles for? I thought this was a protest because there's mandatory masks and and your masks are uncomfortable and you don't want to wear. And you you think the coronavirus isn't fake. Why are you talking about paedophiles? And that's why they're talking about paedophiles. It's an umbrella it's this mad new religion that is emerging from the uncertainty and chaos of our present reality. And what I do is I embrace the chaos. I embrace the chaos and suffering. 
Suffering is, is an inevitable part of human existence and it will pass. And I embrace it and I stare it straight down. And I notice it and I look at it. And I don't react to it. And I don't ignore my suffering to the point that I'm entertaining irrational paranoid thoughts. Alright. I'll be back next week. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to be talking about next week. I enjoyed that podcast. I hope it wasn't too fucking heavy for you. I hope it wasn't too heavy for you. Um, alright, Yurt. Five in the morning here. Five in the fucking morning. Look at me giving out about fucking conspiracy theorists. And I'm here ranting into a microphone till five in the fucking morning in, in a in a dystopian neon dungeon. With a bag on my head. So, pinch of salt maybe, lads. Yurt. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 